Welcome to Protecting and Preserving Wealth. I am John Jagay, joined by Bruce Hossler and Alex Corey of Hossler Wealth Management. Bruce, Alex, good to be with you both. Good morning, John. Good to be with you. Thanks, John. Good to hear you again. Here you see you. You know it's a podcast, so we make it work. <laughs> in a recent episode, we talked about the magnificent seven stocks in the stock market and the S&P 500's performance over 2023. So as we are into 2024 now, uh, you're back to talk with listeners about the market outlook for 2024. And also, we're heading into an election year, and that always seems to put investors on edge. So let's start at the top. What should investors know about election years, Alex? And does it matter if we elect a Democrat or a Republican in the fall? You know, the short of it is really, it doesn't necessarily matter who gets elected into office, whether it's a Democrat or Republican. And there's a lot of debate about that, of course, over the last few years, especially. There's been quite a, a divide in, in our political views. But when we look across the election cycle between January of 1926 and this year as well, during presidential election years, the average annual return is actually 11.6%, regardless of the party. Mm. And the fourth year of the election cycle tends to be the second strongest year behind the third year of the cycle, which happens to be in 2023. So it's kind of a loaded question here, but does that mean investors should assume that 2024 is going to be a smooth ride all the way to the elections in November? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I thought you might say that. We've had the Magnificent Seven run up so high. And with the AI going on like it is, it's going to change our world dramatically. Oh, yeah. They could continue to go higher or they could experience a little bit of a correction, you know, 20, 30 percent. We don't know what that holds and nobody does. And what's really interesting is we have experts, analysts, talking heads, and people with whom we have a lot of respect that fall on both sides of the spectrum of what could potentially happen to the markets and investments in 2024. So it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a smooth ride, but it could be, but we need to be prepared in case it's volatile, which we could experience and we did experience in 2023. For sure. So we talked about the S&P 500. It was up 24% in 2023. I'm not going to ask you for a number, Alex, but can investors anticipate a bump in 2024 similarly? You know, that, that's the hope out there. Now, if we go back to what we talked about last time, though, the Magnificent Seven stocks made up the majority of the returns of the S&P 500 in 2023. Yeah. And other stocks were pretty much flat. <laughs> so what we need to see in 2024 is a broadening out of the returns of the total S&P 500 if we may see a run like that. Now, there's no guarantees out there, of course, of, of what is going to happen, what could happen. And of course, over the last few years, since 2020 during COVID, we've seen very large swings in the stock market pretty much every year. But as I mentioned, we need to see a broadening of the returns across the spectrum of getting everyone to participate in a rally if that's going to be the case, because we can't just assume the Magnificent Seven stocks are going to have 100, 200% returns in this next year as well. On top of that, we'll talk about this here in a moment, but there are a lot of risks that still exist in the market and we cannot ignore those. Essentially, you're putting um, all the 500 eggs in seven baskets, if I could stretch that analogy a little bit. So it makes sense. You would need to be looking more broadly. Um, Bruce, everyone's heard of those magnificent seven stocks. And if you haven't, go back and listen to our previous episode about it and how well they performed in 2023. What other assets are you keeping your eye on here in 2024? Well, certainly with the Fed lowering the interest rate, let me restate that. The Fed didn't lower interest rates. They just paused on the increase of the interest rates. But the 10-year Treasury has dropped dramatically, and that's going to 
follow through and make money that was being more expensive, less expensive for companies to borrow and use for growth. So that gives us some hope that some of these companies that may have been struggling with higher interest rates will not have to struggle as much as we had feared if the interest rates had continued to go higher. But some of the places that we may look, you know, small caps have been out of favor for a number of years. They've started to make a little bit of a move, but you want to be very selective in the areas that we do that. The Magnificent Seven now are 35% of the S&P 500, even though there's 500 stocks, they're cap weighted. Hmm. So based on the capital that they have of the S&P 500, that index is weighted on there. So they're going to have a big input there. And, uh, you know, many of them are trading at 50 or 60 times earnings. They could have a correction or they could continue to go higher based on the AI role that we're seeing taking place. So you cannot avoid that. You have to have exposure there. But probably most importantly, people long term want to participate in the equity markets. They want to be diversified. It is definitely a stock picker's market. I mean, let me give you a couple of examples. Sure. I think Microsoft is going to continue to do well. It's one of the big seven, but Costco is not one of the big seven, but I shop there all the time. And when I go there, there's tons of crowds of people. Me too. I think they're going to continue to have a good business. So there are opportunities in the market that are not part of the magnificent seven that are going to continue to do well. And you just have to make sure you have a diversification for that equity. And that if you need income, that you're not using that from the stock market because it could be volatile. That needs to be your long-term money. And your short-term money that you're taking income from needs to be more safely invested in, say, perhaps like a fixed income portfolio, something like that. All topics we've hit on in previous episodes of the podcast, knowing that you got to have those different buckets segmented for different areas of your retirement. I know you do that with your clients, Bruce. Alex, we saw a pretty good rally toward the end of 2023, also known as a Santa Claus rally. It caught everyone's attention. Uh, So some investors are wondering if now is a good time to invest. What are some of the other potential headwinds or hazards investors should think about? And what are some potential tailwinds that might provide for a more favorable outlook? Well, you know, some of the headwinds that are really in front of us that we still want to pay attention to is the Federal Reserve still controls the direction of the economy. Even though they've given us the signal that they're going to begin cutting rates in 2024, the market's got a little bit ahead of itself right now of anticipating more interest rate cuts, but rates may not fall fast enough. The Federal Reserve may need to maintain their higher for longer stance to avoid what we've seen in 2022, which was massive inflation run-ups and higher interest rates to try and tamp that down. If you think about it, if the Fed drops rates too quickly, that may cause another spike in inflation. We don't want to see that. So inflation could stay higher for longer. We still have a war in the Middle East. We have a continued war in Ukraine. Just name a few of those headwinds. And of course, we have the presidential election in 2024, which even though it may statistically be a positive year for the stock market, doesn't mean it's going to be a smooth ride either. But here's some tailwinds I think are very interesting to pay attention to. The number one is this. There's over $6 trillion of money that's been piled into money market funds over the last couple of years. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense because why would someone take stock market risk when you can get 5% or more returns on your cash by sitting in a very safe position. But now that rates are starting to come down, eventually, as the Federal Reserve begins to drop their interest rates on the federal funds rate, those returns are going to go away on the money market funds. So what that says is $6 trillion has to find a home again, whether it's going to be in the stock market, the bond market, or real estate market. 
Another headwind that's very interesting is that in 2023, there's been almost $100 billion in equity outflows from uh, mutual funds. And every time this has happened, we go back to 2007, 2011, 2016, and 2019, and in 2020, the year following a year where you've had massive equity outflows from funds, the following year in the market has returned anywhere between 18 and 28.7%. Wow. Wow. That's not a guarantee that's going to happen again, of course, but if history is on our side, we want to make sure that our money is invested, diversified, tailored to our risk level to not miss a potential run like that. And again, you know, we're in the fourth year of that election cycle, like we talked about earlier, that tends to be the second strongest of the four-year cycle. So we just want to pay attention to, again, the tailwinds, but also don't ignore the headwinds. We've seen many slip of the rug, if you will, between COVID, a war in Ukraine that caused the market to crash in those couple years as well. So be safe is, is the answer. Bruce, let's uh, zoom out, and Alex is kind of tiptoeing into this, but let's go out to the economy as a whole for a moment. A lot of analysts predicted a recession in 2023. Didn't happen. The economy continues to grow. Consumers are still spending. We have record low unemployment still. What should we be paying attention to overall for the economy in 2024? Well, there's some some really big topics that we talk about in the office all the time. Uh, One of them is the shortage of housing in our country. Mm. I've heard that it's as many as 6 million units. Here we have the interest rates that are high, and you would think that the price of houses would come down because it's so expensive to try and buy a new house. But the problem is there's such a shortage that even though interest rates are high, houses have maintained their value. And we believe going forward that they're going to continue to do that. I have some friends that are going to build a new house. Mm -hmm. They talk to the contractor and the contractors are telling them, oh yeah, it's going to be two years. Wow. Supply chain shortages. Still. Shortages of labor, being able to get things through the permitting process. So we are not going to be able to build enough housing and housing is foundational to a lot of things in the economy. Certainly our economy is a consumer spending economy. And so the consumer, we're concerned and watching the consumer right now, they have run up their credit cards. Some of them are starting to be stressed a little bit on that, but they've been spending up to now. You know, just go to an airport and try and fly somewhere. Uh, all the planes are full. There's still people that are feeling like they want to spend. So we don't want to prognosticate that we necessarily fall into a recession, but it could be a, a slight recession or things like that. We don't see anything that is going to cause a severe recession minus, you know, a world event you know, geopolitical or something like that. So we think there's an opportunity to do that, but we're concerned about the consumer. We're watching the consumer. And so you got to pay attention to the consumer and how they're doing with that. We have low unemployment and there's more people that appears that are coming back into the workforce again. So all of those lend to the potential to kind of have a soft landing. That's what people have been talking about. We think that's possible. And we think even uh, some sort of a recession We don't think it's necessarily a big recession, but we're watching the consumer. That's generally how our economy is driven. Really good information from both of you today. I'll ask this to either or both of you. What are your biggest takeaways for our listeners from today's podcast? My biggest takeaway is if you've been sitting on the sidelines, if you haven't invested extra cash yet, or you're just not really sure where to get started, take a step back and take a breather and really assess where you are today with your investing plan, your retirement plans. As Bruce mentioned earlier, how much money do you need in the next, say, 12 to 24 months of cash or, or very safer money, as opposed to what you can afford to 
invest in the stock market. You know, it's a long-term game. Uh, one year doesn't make the, the returns for you forever, but you want to also be paying attention to your level of risk and, and diversification as well. Don't get caught up in the hype right now. There's opportunities out there, as we talked about, there's only seven stocks that have really performed very well over the last 12 months. That doesn't mean they're going to continue to perform well. There may be other winners out there you want to take a look at. And I agree that diversification is important. And really look at your financial plan. If you have your income for the next five years invested in safer fixed income portfolios, you can afford to have a holding period of 10 years before you need any of your stock market investments. So even if the market has a, a correction and it runs up, but we hit the average, like Alex said, in election year of 11% or more, most people would be happy with that. But you cannot get that if you're sitting on the sidelines. So you have to be in the game and participating, but not taking risk with money that you need for income. So when we create a financial plan, that's the answer that I would say is make sure you're following your financial plan and your risk tolerance for when you're going to need income and let your other money run. Who would have thought this year that the market would have traded up just like it did? Everybody was prognosticating a recession this year. Did not happen. Market traded up. And for those people that were sitting on the sidelines, they're kicking themselves right now. Such a huge opportunity cost. We've talked about this in previous episodes. If you were out of the market on the biggest bounce back days, it would cost you dearly as you look back over the last few decades. Anything else you guys want to cover today before we wrap it up? Just that we're at a new year and a new opportunity, folks. We look forward to the opportunity to have a conversation with you. If you have questions on these topics, we have investments that have the ability to uh, diversify your portfolio and let you participate in the game. So you, you definitely want to have a conversation with your planner or with us to talk about the opportunities that are out there for you. And Bruce, how do our listeners best find you and your team at Hostler Wealth Management? They can reach us on the website at Hostler, H-O-S-L-E-R-W-M.com, HostlerWM.com. They can reach us here in Scottsdale, 480-994-7342, 7342, or in Prescott, 928-778-7666. Great information as always. Thank you both and uh, look forward to a great 2024. Look forward to it, John. Good to talk to you again, John. We'll talk to you next time. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Forward-looking commentary should not be misconstrued as investment or financial advice. The advisor associated with this podcast is not monitored for comments, and any comments should be given directly to the office at the contact information specified. Any tax advice contained in this communication, including any attachments, is not intended or written to be used and cannot be used for the purpose of, one, avoiding federal or state tax penalties, or two, promoting, marketing, or recommending to another party any transaction or matter addressed herein. The accuracy, completeness, and timeliness of the information contained in this podcast cannot be guaranteed. Accordingly, Hostler Wealth Management LLC does not warranty, guarantee, or make any representations or assume any liability with regard to financial results based on the use of the information in this podcast.